have you ever smelled the stinky tofu? Oh god. I think your brain couldn't even imagine some kind of smell like that existed ever. <laughs> That's why it's shocking every time. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host Oscar Fuchs. Thanks very much for all the comments about last week's episode. Um that was with Eric and a lot of you know him well. And a lot of those people told me, well, I made a mistake to interview him because he's the kind of person who speaks in such beautiful, uh, flowing, well-informed prose that, um, well, he makes everyone else around him look pretty stupid. Thank you for that feedback. I wish somebody out there would have warned me about this earlier, <laughs> but I'm glad that at least it isn't just me. So we go from one of the more venerable tiles in the mosaic to, I think, the youngest person in the whole of season one. Today's interview is with Astrid Pokosyan. Astrid is an Armenian violinist, um, and she's the first non-Chinese management employee in the 140-year history of the Shanghai Symphony Orchestra. So yes, just because she is the youngest in the series, that doesn't let any of us off the hook when it comes to being impressed with what she's achieved、um, in the last nine or so years. I think that she has been here in China. Astrid and I talk about her passion for music. Uh, her passion for Armenia and her life as an unofficial ambassador for both of those parts of her identity. We'll also learn about what the ATM machine and the hairdryer have in common. You might know this already,、uh, but for everyone else, if it helps you win a pub quiz in the future, I will be expecting my share of the prize. Well, thank you so much. I'm here with Astrid Pogosian. That's correct. Oh God, I yeah, had, finally somebody said it correct. Well, I had a little pause. You probably heard. <laughs> yes. And Astrid is the assistant to the president of the Shanghai Symphony Orchestra. Yes, I am. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And let's waste no more time and let's go straight into your object. So, what object did you bring? I brought the meaning of my life. Wow, that sounded special, right?、Um, yeah, I. Brought something that I've been doing for my entire life almost, and that's exactly like a name card of myself and who am I. That's what I brought with me today. And I can see this object, so it's not a surprise to me. But why don't you reveal what your object is? That's something. My object. You're gonna hear my object. Ah, okay. Well then, why don't you put the microphone down, and I will record you as you play your object. So much. Thank you. Well, tell me about that piece. Well, I just played Armenian traditional folk songs, and、uh, I grew up listening to the songs, including like my mom used to sing it to me when I was little kid as a lullaby, and then it was basically the first introduction to music to me. And these tunes have been following me through my whole journey, musical and life journey itself. And while I was in China as well, 
when I was feeling homesick, when I was missing home and my family, I would just play to myself and sort of as a reminder of my roots and just comforting myself and getting, you know, connection with whatever I had before. Wow. Well, thank you again. That was awesome. My pleasure. And so how did you get from Armenia to Shanghai? What What's the story in a nutshell? <laughs> well, the story started back in 2009 uh, when I graduated my high school, when I was about to graduate my high school and I applied for a um, governmental scholarship because I was just turning 16 and my mom wanted me to go somewhere safe. And um, so I applied for governmental scholarship. But eventually they told me that I was the first musician ever applying for that program. That's why I have to wait until any country will accept me. And um, I was applying to go to somewhere close to Armenia. That means like somewhere in Europe. But then one day they called me. They say the only country that is accepting musicians is China. And that was the clashing moment of me realizing that I, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. Whether I'm going to take it or just stay in Armenia. Because until then, had you had any connection with China? Uh, well, I remember myself uh, when I was a kid. I used to watch a lot of like Jackie Chan movies and I was being like being a girl it was a rare thing but for some reason I really I really liked him and also the Disney cartoon Mulan I remember myself watching it like five to six times per day because I was never a Cinderella type of girl even deep in my heart maybe but uh, I always liked the Mulan character itself um, so afterwards when I came to China I realized that probably it, it made, made some sense back then when I was watching Jackie Chan and Mulan and probably that was for some reason and what age were you then when you first came to China I just turned 16 well so young uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, comparable <laughs> to now, I was young, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so you went straight into a scholarship for school, right? How, how did that work? Yes, uh, first when I arrived, because um, I didn't speak Chinese back then, and then they told me that I, they will give me eight months of time to learn the language, because all the classes in the Conservatory of Music were in Chinese. So if I wouldn't speak, then I couldn't study. So they gave me eight months to take the exam for HSK, that's the Chinese language exam. And um, after that, luckily, um, I learned Chinese, and then I was able to study here, continue my studies. So let's go back to those days when you were studying here in China, 16 years old, maybe turned 17 after you passed the HSK test. That's right. What were the, the things that you enjoyed the most and, and what were the, the, the main challenges back then? Mm, the challenge, of course, I think as a, every foreigner coming to China not speaking the language is the language uh, because it was super different. I was myself like already speaking uh, three languages. Um, Armenian, Russian and English and then I thought probably this is going to be okay then I realized that it has nothing to do with any Latin alphabet and then it was like just whole new world to me um, and then everyday studying was super super hard that was one of the biggest challenges but then uh, at the same time how challenging it was then the benefit of it and the enjoyable part of it is really learning it but learning not only the language but learning the culture itself for me, language is always as a package for a culture itself. So it, it was that beautiful t period of time of getting to know China itself, the culture, the people and customs and including the language. And so what did you find out about the Chinese knowledge of Armenia? 
that that was really one of the biggest shocks for me as an Armenian itself because um, even though we are a super small country but our people are very proud nation and uh, we grew up in a I, w- I wouldn't call it a bubble but we grew up grew up in in the bubble <laughs> <laughs> that um, uh, we are the center of the world we created you know we invented this thing hairdryer we invented ATM by the way which is true um, and then that's we think we, we are the center of the world and then with that mindset I came to China and I remember first person asked me where are you from I was proudly saying that I'm from Armenia and then I was thinking you know fireworks and everything you know coming but then a person asked like where is it I mean, like, what do you mean? Where is it? It's Armenia. Like, how do you know where is my Armenia? And then I realized that actually he really didn't know. And like him, there were like thousands and millions of people. So that was my first cultural shock, let's say. Luckily, um, back then I had a tool with me which calls music, which doesn't require any language. So by the time I was learning the Chinese before learning it, I decided so... Um, while I'm learning the language itself to be able to communicate and tell them the story of my country, I can use music to explain my identity, which actually back then perfectly worked. So I used music to introduce my country and my identity to Chinese people. And of course, violin was was what you played. Um, What was your your first experience learning violin back in Armenia? Mm, I remember that uh, because I'm coming from a family that I have two sisters. The musicians I, I was about to say I'm coming from a musician family but I'm not it's only my sisters playing it and my mom always told that every girl should learn to play an instrument because it makes them more feminine and nice um, so I, as I was the youngest my first sister was playing piano and, and piano was always at home and I could just go and play whatever I wanted but with the violin that my second sister was playing is always it was always something super sacred you know she would never ever leave let me to touch it because she was scared that I wasn't going to break it obviously and then so when it came to me my mom came and asked what I want to play whether it's like I want to play piano or violin and I was without any hesitation I said of course I want to play violin because I never got to touch it (laughs) because my sister never allowed so because of her I chose playing violin it's not because she was inspiring it's because she never let me to touch that instrument got it so how did you then become um, somebody working in the symphony orchestra from being that violin student. What what was your your second story? Um, because while I was studying, um, I realized that of course violin is something that belongs to my soul. It it is what it is. Like, but I always realized that I cannot only just play this. I was always very interested in doing a lot of other stuff, being management, being doing some activity, do, uh, organizing some activities, or doing some other stuff. So we, when it came to um, choosing what to do afterwards I decided maybe I can just try to do something with management and um, exactly when I was hesitating at that period I got this offer from Shahai Symphony Orchestra to work for them as a part of management and I decided to give it a try and um, I'm glad I did So tell me about how how it's run what, what kind of organization is the Symphony Orchestra? Uh, Shanghai Symphony Orchestra is a governmentally run institution. It's very different from what's happening in the world because in, in the world, different countries, it's usually the orchestras are private. and They are funded by private funders. Um, but here in China, it, um, all the orchestras belong to the government. So it's fully, it's uh, mainly f- covered by government, mainly funded by government. 
And it's the central government or it's the Shanghai local government? Yeah, it's central, but of course every city is taken care by their own. Was there a time when there was something which um, was a market-driven um, force, which then the, the governmental side didn't quite understand? Um, I guess uh, one of the, the examples can be like if, if we are having, like let's say, a world-famous conductor or some artist that is coming to Shanghai Symphony Orchestra to play. And of course, we know every single artist, they have their own requirements when they come to China or anywhere they go, be it... Uh, hotel rooms be it uh, I don't know preparations and sometimes the the request they have regarding hotels then can be like I don't know I don't know presidential suites and stuff that they cost like 25k uh, or 30 per night right because like these are like world-class conductors and world-class yes musicians exactly. right exactly so and it's very hard to explain to local side some um, local funds why we need 25k or 30k per night for some certain musicians to stay of course well especially because it's public money so I mean yes. you can you can see why okay that's that's a good example and then do you do you now get to to play at all with um, the company or are you now purely management within this organization within this organization I'm now purely as a part of management right. um, and um, it is it is very exciting for me to be because um, even though the orchestra has 140 years history and this year it is celebrating it's one of the oldest in the world and the oldest in Asia actually um, but I'm the first foreigner employee working for the management of the orchestra ever Wow! so, so that is really humbling and uh, exciting for me there. So obviously those uh, Chinese lessons paid off, didn't they? <laughs> Hopefully so, yeah. I'm still learning. Now I'm learning Shanghai dialect, so it's it's really it's really hard. <laughs> wow. Well, you said that there's a long history um, of classical music appreciation here in, in Shanghai. So what what is the audience like, um, you know, when, when you're talking about audiences here versus maybe elsewhere in the world? I find the audience in Shanghai uh, very fascinating and not only me, all the world-class artists when they come to Shanghai, they perform all of them uh, after each concert they give the same comment about our audience how amazing it is in terms of like the age range, in, in terms of behavior, uh, because you, sometimes you can go to concerts and you see like, I don't know, five to six years old uh, kids sitting throughout whole Mahler symphony and not making any noise or coming with their parents and you see like different age ranges 10 15 30 50 70 and uh, it's something super rare in the world because we know that classical music has this cliche of having all this you know old people going for the concerts wearing tuxedos and stuff and having certain rules but what's happening now in china is like having all this kind of different ranges ranges age ranges and all kinds of people because they are curious about learning it's even though it has 140 years history uh but it's still relatively super new uh field for chinese people that's why they're curious to explore I happen to know that that you have been on TV recently, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's <laughs> talk <exposed>. about that. <laughs> what what was this TV experience you recently had? Mm, it was actually starting like two years ago uh, when I got invited to take part in this Shanghai Central TV uh, talk show, which was about having six to seven foreigners every week gathering and talking about some customs. The uh, about their own countries and uh, I was of course representing Armenia and I thought it's a great chance for me myself to re represent and spread the word about my country and so we would just casually sit and um, talk about different 
topics let's say one week we will talk about wedding and all the country representatives they would talk about wedding traditions in their own country so that way i was able to talk about the customs of armenia and then next time we'll talk about like uh sports and we talk about how the field it is uh, developed in the countries that we are representing so it um at some point i realized it brought some kind of recognition to me and most of most important it broad recognition to my country so i would have some people running around the street and then coming over me and telling that oh you're that girl i saw on tv uh what's your name uh you're from armenia they would be like that i was like oh that's great you don't remember my name but my country then yeah mission achieved <laughs> <laughs> and like what what do you think are the similarities um, between armenia and china one of the most similar thing for me personally i find the customs in terms of like traditional values family values that we have and that's one of the main things probably when people ask me how come you stayed in china for so long and you still feel like staying here and um and i believe that's one of the most important things that i realized they have the family values how they uh spend time together how important it is to talk every day to their parents and you know ask about their well-being because even though i know like Like, you know, I have some friends that they they will talk to their parents once in a while for Christmas and something. But for Armenians, we just like every day, you know, you have to talk where you are and stuff. And I realized they have the same for for China. Chinese people that do that for Spring Festival, they gather. And and yeah, I think that the family values are the one of the most similar things that Armenia and China has and people. And so what do you do in your spare time? Like I, I know how busy you are with your job and you also, you know, do do other other musical projects on the side as well as your TV appearances. Um do you have any other projects that you're, in, you're involved in? Um other projects that I do it's probably for nourishing my soul. <laughs> That's how I call it. Um I do some charity projects that um I've started while I was a student at Shanghai Conservatory of Music. Um and I remember back then I did that with um my classmates, Chinese classmates in the conservatory and there was a charity project we named Turn On Your Heart which was about to uh the main goal was about to go to all this um uh schools or kindergartens for uh, autistic kids autistic kids autistic kids right. sorry for my pronunciation oh no no <laughs> <laughs> um and we would go to their places and then perform for them introduce uh, music to them in musical instruments because uh some of the kids they were problematic in terms of like i don't know some hyperactive or hard to talk but the music was something that you didn't you don't have to make them talk or they just have to listen and we would have incredible results uh, regarding their appearances right and that's where you know music is really universal because you could be in china you could be in any place in the world exactly. and have the same effect right yes yes i totally agree going back to the the orchestra then like what what um what is your actual job then you you work with the president and what are your responsibilities um actually yeah it's it's very broad because as president uh, has to do all the things whatever is happening in the hall and within the orchestra so i guess my job is also following her so it requires to communicate with all kinds of departments and she's um, she's shanghainese yes she is shanghainese a very young lady very inspiring woman 
And so what kind of program do you run? I mean, is it diverse or is it, uh, is it focused on one particular kind of classical music? No, um, because we have traditional seasons in Shanghai Symphony Orchestra, which is classical traditional concerts. But at the same time, we also have music festivals during summer, Misa, which is about uh, jazz and uh, contemporary music. So we have all kinds of genres because, it's, as I said, it's a developing. So we are trying to give the market all kinds of classical music uh, that is available now in the world. Did you ever think, even like when you were studying, that you would stay for 10 years? That's the that's the thing in terms of like while I was studying here, when people asked me, I would say, oh, I'm studying here, I'm studying here. So that was like four years, five years, I'm studying here, six years, I'm studying here. At seventh year, when they asked me, I'm like, I'm living here. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You've you've graduated. Yes, I've graduated. Well, I think I think you've probably become quite institutionalized now. I I don't know how much longer you'll stay, <laughs> but you you seem to be so at home here, especially yes. since you came at such a formative time of your life, really. I do believe so, because soon it's going to be almost the same timing that I've spent in Armenia and con counting that in Armenia first five years, I, I was not able to understand what's going on. And all my conscious life, I mean, I've been in China. So I believe it's, it's quite an important big role in my life. Great. Well, thanks very much for that. And I guess because you've been here so long, I'm excited about your answers for part two. So let's go straight into the 10 questions that we have and prepared. I'll start straight away with question one. What's your favorite China-related fact? Uh, China-related fact, actually, that was on my mind. I think it's like, you know that put together all of China's railways lines could loop around Earth twice. And they're still building more, right? Yes, so maybe it's going to be three, three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese? Oh yeah, I do favorite phrase. It's like uh, fansila when you a say. Fansila. I think you just I, I it's one of the most frequent things I've saying. I'm I keep saying all the time fansila and people who doesn't know what does that mean. I, I it's very really hard to even translate what it is. It's just when you get really frustrated over of something, you just keep saying fansila. I've only heard Tai Ma Fanla, but I guess Ma Fan is also fan. It's the same fan. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now, I'm going to switch now. I'm going to say Fansula. Yes, please. <laughs> What's your favorite destination within China? I love Hangzhou City. Ah. Um, I like Sihu. And I remember until now, every time when I, and I go there, it's some kind of peaceful emotion I always get there, something unexplainable. And I think it's different when you go to Europe. It's different kind of peace you find in Hangzhou. It's really like those old Chinese times when you read in the books. It's exactly that. So I, I really love, I love that city. Yeah, I've I've only been there once, but I I went I think during one of the crowded busy seasons. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm not you. well <laughs> exactly. But even then, you know, I, you could find these quiet areas, especially up in the mountains, where yeah, you know. It, I, I think I felt a little bit about what you're talking about. <laughs> How many times have you been there? I think five to six, I believe. Nice. <laughs> And it's so convenient. It's one of those places that actually is only a couple of hours away from from Shanghai. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. If you left China, what would you miss the most and what would you miss the least? I think the most I would miss is traditional local Xiaolongbao. Mm. I would miss that very much. And I would mi what I wouldn't miss is probably, have you ever smelled the stinky tofu? Oh, God. I think your brain couldn't even imagine some kind of smell like that existed ever. <laughs> That's why it's shocking every time. <laughs> 
And have you ever tra- have you tasted it before? No, please. It's <laughs> actually not as bad as it smells, but that's all Chinese people say that. So you are saying that too. <laughs> I'm saying it too, but have you ever tr- tried? I've tried it. I've tried really? it, but I I am not used to it. And I I I've tried lots of smelly foods. I quite like smelly foods. They're like blue cheese. So I thought, you know what? One day I yeah, will okay. get used to, t- to stinky tofu. But yeah, it, yeah it's never happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? I think after living in China for ten years, there is nothing that surprises me anymore, and it's not about only China; it's about the world. What is your favorite place to hang out, to eat, to drink here in Shanghai? I think one of my favorite places for food is、um, Sichuan Citizen Restaurant, and it's been, the, I think, the first Chinese restaurant I've ever even tried in Shanghai because back then they used to. Be at Donghu Road and Shanghai Conservatory with music was beside, and I've been going there since like ten years already. And the people there I've been known for ten years, and I've spent like five to six my birthdays there with them. So it's just very, very super like first place to go and take my friends, whoever is visiting here. And then beside that for drinks, I'm a very terrace person. I really love terraces, and Shanghai gives so much opportunities for that. So just name a terrace, whatever, anything open air sounds good. But there's only a certain time of the year that that really makes sense. Like otherwise, it's <laughs> freezing cold or it's、yes. boiling hot. Or、yeah. that's the thing about terraces. They always seem like a good idea to me, but I always find a reason to complain. <laughs> <laughs> For example, yeah,、uh, it's too cold and hot and exactly. That's Maybe that's just my personality, though. <laughs> <laughs> What is the best or worst purchase you have made in China?、Um, the best purchase I've ever made. So far, it's I don't know whether you have seen it's like automatic wine bottle opener machine. Do you、yeah. have you seen that thing? I have that I think I I saw in China and and I it surprised me so much. And after at every time I just like just look look this is so cool. I just <laughs> put it and show it. So yeah, that is the best purchase I've ever done. And the next question: What is your favorite WeChat sticker? Oh, I have an addiction with the stickers. I have like two hundred something with me, so I have to choose.、Um, this one that I sent to you, the okay, this is my favorite,、Aww. one of the freaking ones. I'm using it. It's very hard for me to describe what it is like, but、um, once you say something that somebody didn't expect or some or you got them, you you just send this and sort of like、uh, now I'm. Literally, physically imitating this kid. <laughs> right. So this is the one. So it's a little kid basically, and going yeah. And like sort of, of, I told you, you told see, you, like <laughs> pointing at you, and his heart's coming out. Because、it's、a lot of once you leave here, I think it's a lot of things. It was like I told you so, right? Right. <laughs> It just becomes like that. So actually, yeah, it's a cute way of saying I told you so. Yes. I'm cleverer and better than you. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for putting it in right away.、Um, and another favorite one I use is this one, the second one that I've sent to you. Uh huh. Another another little kid. Another.、Nice. Li- I don't know why I have so many kids, but uh, <laughs> but this the second one is just I think a lot of people can relate to who are living <laughs> in China because sometimes you hear some stuff and this is the exactly emotion you are getting. Like, oh, I like it. I almost don't want to describe it, but maybe it's just like a what the hell was that? Yeah,、of. like、uh, yes, exactly. It's just <laughs> you, I think once you see it and you live in China, you just get it. Like you don't have to explain it. <laughs> Next question: When you go to KTV to karaoke, what what is your go-to song? Oh wow!、Um, because、um, as a musician,、um, people think that I'm I, I have to sing really well because I'm a musician. I have to a perfect tune, and 
all my life is all about being in tune <laughs> and then when it comes to music and not so when i'm in cat tv i'm trying to sing as out of tune as possible and i try to go for those songs that sad ones that you know you find people sitting in the corners and relating to their lives and stuff like michael jackson you are not alone and i'm trying to do it in a super in tune way out of tune way sorry and i really enjoy it but i'm the only one enjoying it i believe so yeah <laughs> And could you, if you wanted to, sing it in a good way? Or actually, that's just the best you can do? No, <laughs> of course I can. But I just, because everyday life, I'm being in tune with my music. So Katy right. is the time to leave it to your soul and just go out of tune. Yeah, like forget the perfection. Yes. Exactly. And finally, what other China-related media or sources of information do you rely on? To be honest, I think... Um, Mainly what I do, I rely on my Chen. I, I rely on my WeChat moment because I have a variety mosaic of friends <laughs> coming from different parts of the world and they share their own country's news. Chinese people share the local what's happening. So it's like, I think it's a bouquet of awful kinds of news. So I rely on my Chen for news. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that, Astrid. Thank you for having me, Oscar. My pleasure. And the final question. So if there was one person um, that you know of here in China that you would recommend I interview next, who would it be? Uh, for my recommendation this time, after thinking a lot, um, I'm going to recommend Frida Fang, um, actually a wonderful human being that I got to know in Shanghai. Um, and currently she's the regional president and managing director for probably one of the most admired organizations in the world, Special Olympics. Um, and the mission of this organization is to provide like year-round sports training and athletic competition in a variety of Olympic-type sports for children and adults with intellectual disabilities. And every time I hear Frida talking about it, she's so passionate and enthusiastic about it. So I'm sure she will have so many stories to share with you and inspire other people too. That's great. Oh, thank you so much. I look forward to meeting Frida. Thank you. And thanks so much for your time today. Thank you too, Oscar. My pleasure. So that was Astrid. I first met Astrid outside a cafe down my street. She was having drinks with a Persian-Armenian friend of mine, Vashe. Um, Vashe made the introduction, and this is the result. A new friendship and a new podcast episode. And that's how things tend to work around here. People are very generous with their connections and open with their support. But Vashe is especially like that, so a special thanks to him. As always, please check out the images associated with today's episode on social media. It's uh, Mosaic of China, all one word, on Instagram and on Facebook. And for WeChat, add me on Oscar10877 and I will connect you to the WeChat group. So this week, there is a Wikipedia image on where Armenia is in the world, in case you might need a handy nudge about that. There are photos of the Shanghai Symphony Hall. It's a beautiful building, inside and out. Um, there's also a photo that I took in Hangzhou, which is Astrid's favorite place to travel to in China. Astrid said that she loved Shihu. Uh, this is Westlake. It sits in the middle of Hangzhou, and that's what the photo is of. What my photo does not include is the hundreds of Chinese tourists who were just to the left and to the right and behind and on top of where I was standing. The thing that Astrid would miss the most if she left China, she said Xiaolongbao. Those are the classic little Shanghai dumplings that are filled with hot soup. And I've posted a photo of those. They're nice with a dash of vinegar. And of course, her two favorite WeChat stickers are up and her favorite uh, restaurant, Sichuan Citizen. 
Um, and the final batch of photos are all from her appearance, um, or rather multiple appearances, on that Chinese TV show. It was called Xionghua Da Butong. Astrid mentions the HSK test. That's the name of the Mandarin language proficiency test that is officially recognized here in China. These days, there's a point system for getting work permits, and your HSK test result is part of this equation, alongside, of course, many other factors. Um, the H of the HSK, the H means Hanyu, which is Chinese. The S is Shuiping, which is standard or level. And the K is Kao Shu, which is test. And there are six levels. HSK 1 is the easiest, and HSK 6 is the top. Also on the subject of visas, Astrid mentioned to me after the interview that she was in the first batch of graduates who could stay on in China after completing their studies. Before that, you needed to leave the country and then work somewhere else for a couple of years before coming back. So she was able to accept that job um, at the Shanghai Symphony Orchestra, and in fact her visa application was 001. So at the time, she became a big focus of debate on the whole value of allowing young foreigners to stay and to work in Shanghai. So um, that was part of her life that we didn't cover in the interview, but one thing that I thought was quite interesting. And also another reminder that there you have it, you know, despite being the youngest guest, there's probably still another whole episode's worth of stories we could have covered. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, editing by Milo De Prieto. Artwork is by Denny Newell, and China technical support is from Alston Gong. If you like us, please rate and comment on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. Thank you for listening this far, and see you next week. Music